introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, pitches it. This. To oh, look Williams. Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we are back. We got the full crew. And uh, we're just here to talk about some Vikings football stuff. We got free agency, kind of, I guess. Maybe to talk about a little bit. Vikings haven't really done much. We can talk about that, too. But we got the full crew. So we're going to run through this thing real quick. QB1, my man. How you doing? How you been? Good man, life is hectic right now. Staying busy, but busy is a good thing. Deep diving with draft guide. Uh, some details will be out about that very soon, so stay tuned to that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Miles, my man, how's it going? How's Teddy? Teddy's good. I'm doing good. Oh man, you're a busy. man. Of, man, a few words today. Yeah, busy. Busy. You, you sound a little run down, Miles. Yeah, something like that. And you can't be this tired now. You got baby on the way, you know. <laughs> if life is beating you down like this now, the summer's gonna be hard for you, man. That's why he's run down. <laughs> <laughs> Care, don't get miles in trouble now, Prince. And sexy <laughs> Prince, my man. Yeah, man. How's it going? How you doing? How you been? I've been good. Uh working on part two of that. Uh, you know, I started the series, keep that. Um, just kind of going through uh Vikings plays that I mean it wasn't all bad last year. I know that we, you know, we make our jokes and you know, Viking based on Vikings Twitter made it seem as if it was all bad, but just kind of going through all the lods and ends of that. So I'm mean, good. Okay, I'm proud of you going through finding good plays from Kirk Cousins and stuff to write about. I feel like that's growth. That's growth. Or is it just about good plays about Kirk? I mean, a lot I mean, of plays I'm, Outline. I don't even know if he was like in the play. Hey, 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 hey. I'm trying to give you props for your growth here. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. All right. So I'm going to swing. We're going to start with JR in this one here because, you know, JR, you are often the voice of reason. Uh, you know, and Miles seems too tired to do that this evening. So uh, is it really as bad as it feels like it is to the majority of people who are watching the Vikings kind of navigate this free agency period? Because. As bad as the offensive line was last year, what is it? The only guard we have with NFL experience left is is Danny Isadora. Uh, Compton's gone. And as much as people were hating on Compton, it wasn't like he was the worst of our offensive linemen last year. Compton's gone. Easton's gone. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> we were like, you know, Richardson is gone. Sandejo's gone. Like, it's not like these are all great players, but the idea that I guess in one draft we're going to replace all of them with above average or players up to their level, like, help me out, JR. What What is your feeling right now based on kind of what you've seen this offseason, what's going on, free agency's first wave is in the books. What are your thoughts on where the Vikings are at? I mean, considering what they lost, I don't think it's been anything significant outside of Sheldon Richardson. And, I'm, you know, I'm a huge Sheldon Richardson fan, but I think the production 
that he brought to the table. I think with a certain type of committee approach, I think they can eventually replace that. Now, I, I wasn't a fan of the Shamar Stephan sign. I thought they vastly overpaid for him, and I thought they probably could have found a better option in free agency or even the draft if they so chose to wait for that. But as far as the players that have exited, I don't think any of them have been significant. Tom Compton, uh, Nick Easton, who missed last year, Latavius Murray, who was going to be in a limited role, Anderson Dejo was going to be cut. Anthony Harris was going to be the guy next year anyway. So I don't get why so many people are overreacting. And yes, I know the teams around the NFC North and then the NFC in general have upgraded, but we see every year that free agency isn't the end-all, be-all. And every, and every team that usually wins free agency doesn't do good the following season. So with the cap, uh, a lot of money that they do have, the cap space that they do have, I don't know why so many people expect it them to just splurge like they did last year with Cousins and Richardson. I think this offseason has been positive so far. You get Anthony Barr back, who is a key piece to the defense, and then you're shedding some of the fat, essentially, with some of the bad players that you had. And I think the only significant loss that they've had so far has been Sheldon Richardson. So overall, I'm pretty much satisfied now. I think they're tying their hands a little bit as far as what they want to do in the draft just because there haven't been any offensive line additions. I know uh, Darren Wilson reported that Josh Klein is going to be in town for the rest of the week on a visit with the Vikings, so maybe he could be a potential solution at guard. And he's been, prior to last year, he was middle of the road. Uh, he, I think Pro Football Focus had him ranked in the 30s prior to last year. He was in, like, the latter half of the 50s. So he took a step back last year. But he maybe could be a solution at either guard spot right now because we do need two guards. I mean, let's just be honest about that. We don't have any proven guys in Isadora hasn't stepped up. I thought he would be a better player by now and developed a bit more than what he has at this point. So we'll see if they do end up signing Klein or if they go out and get a Steven Wisniewski. That could be another option if the Jets do not once again cash out on another offensive lineman. So we'll see what does happen with that. But overall, I think they've taken positive steps because they have trimmed the fat. And like I said, the only significant loss at this point has been Sheldon Rich. Okay. All right. I feel a little bit better about things. Miles, I know you've been monitoring this very, very closely. You've been watching um, and you've been really, you know, keeping up with the with the tweets and letting us all know which offensive linemen are available, which ones are gone. And uh, I guess, you know, Wisniewski is someone that you've been talking about a lot. You know, he's going to the Jets. We'll see how that goes. I guess what are your thoughts about what's happened thus far? And what are guess, your, your thoughts or hopes in terms of what the team can do to uh, address the O-line, which is obviously everyone's biggest concern uh, heading into this offseason. And they really the team hasn't really done anything to address it to this point. Yeah, I think, for one, I think we should just panic. Just freak out. Um, that'll solve it. I mean, we can do that. We can do that. We can definitely do that. If you want us to do that, we can do that. I mean, I it is kind of surprising to me that, that they haven't made any sort of move up to this point. I mean, we knew that they didn't have much money. Um, I'm, I'm in agreement, agreement with JR. Like, it felt like they prioritized Shamar Stefan over looking for offensive linemen. Um, to start, which, um, like, Shamar Stefan as like a, a rotational piece is fine, but like he said, the the payments the pay is a little too high. Um, some of these guys though are just they're getting way more money than you kind of expected them to get. Like an AJ can getting a three year fifteen million dollar deal. I don't know the details of the deal, but that still feels like too much to me. Nick Easton getting four years twenty four million dollars coming off a herniated disc in his neck, and only being a, a starter for one year and at, he was mediocre at best. Um, 
So I just think some of the numbers that are being thrown around for some of these offensive linemen are just crazy. I mean, the Vikings couldn't compete with some of that, and they shouldn't. So, like, in that sense, I'm not mad at what they've done in the fact that they haven't, to this point, we don't know what they're going to do with a guy like uh, Josh Klein. Um, but they haven't overpaid for anybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that aspect of it. Uh, still a little surprised that they've, they've let things get to this point where um, a majority of the guys that could, that could help um, are gone. But there are still a few names out there, like you said, St- St- Steven, Stefan, w- Wisniewski. Um, I really like him. I think he fits. He'd be an upgrade to me over Nick Easton for that guard center position anyway. So if they found a way to, to bring him in, um, even Brett Jones, they could bring him back and be that guy too. Um, there, there are possibilities out there with guys that could can play, you know, multiple roles. Um, so I think I think there's ways they can do it. I don't I don't agree with the idea of trying to move O'Neal around and moving all these offensive linemen around. But they could look to bring in a guy like Ryan Schrader, uh, fill him in at right tackle, move O'Neal to left tackle, move Reef into left guard. Like there's. There are solutions that they can try, and I'm not even going to call it a solution. There are things they can try to do to fix the offensive line. Um, I know it feels really dire right now just because it does feel like they haven't done anything because it really is bringing it back to 2017 right now. That's literally what it feels like outside of the quarterback position. It really just feels that's what they've done. Um, they're just rewinding a year back. They're like, hey, let's, let's plug in the QB we have now and put him on the 2017 roster. And see how things go, um, but like we still haven't hit, we still haven't finished this out this the second week of free agency. So I'm not I'm not tripping too much. I mean, if they if they sign a guy like Josh Klein, uh, I think that helps a lot heading into the draft. And I think they'll I've said all along I believe that they'll sign two free agent offensive linemen and then go into the draft with uh, looking to to grab two early. And I said at least one of those offensive linemen need to be a surefire starter. If that, that'd be Josh Klein, who to me is better than a lot of the right guards that got paid last week in free agency. So I'm cool with kind of what their approach is if if they find a way to to bring a guy like Josh Klein in and, and sign him. What I think is funny is not like and I don't know, maybe it's not funny, maybe it's just kind of the the humor that you develop when you when you follow a team like the Vikings, is that like now we are excited about a guy in, in Josh Klein, that if we're looking, obviously you know, the career spans more than one season, but if we look back at last season, he graded out worse than Tom Compton, who we all thought was terrible, but he looks to be now, you know, the best option that we can get to kind of come in and, and help out. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. And there's one thing before I get you in here, Prince, I wanted to talk to JR. I wanted to get your opinion on this because um, when we start to talk about, you know, O'Neal switching sides and doing all these things. It kind of made me think of uh, that old Pro Football Focus article that Jeff Schwartz, um, I think he was quoted in talking about how he would rather move from, you know, like right tackle or right guard than from one side of the line to the other because all the footwork is backwards and how difficult that can be for an offensive lineman to kind of relearn how to do everything. Uh, JR, given what you thought about O'Neal and his development coming out, how you saw him kind of as that raw prospect who needed some time to to really work and hone up his craft before being ready to start, and then him doing well at right you know, tackle as a rookie. I guess, what are your thoughts on him transitioning to the left side? He has some experience in college there, and what kind of challenges that could bring for him, or do you just think that because he's done it and you know has the athleticism that he'd be able to seamlessly make that transition? 
Well, it makes me nervous, and you guys know I'm not a fan of once you have an offensive lineman at a certain spot, I think you should keep them there because we've seen how that can derail a person's career. You know, we've seen it with plenty of previous Minnesota Vikings offensive linemen in the past where it just completely destroyed their career, their career when they did move or flip sides. And even if they stayed on the same side, moving to them to another position really didn't help them a whole bunch. And then it makes me nervous with O'Neal, and I know he played it during his last few years at Pitt when he did transition from tight end, but he hasn't done it in the NFL, and he's created such a great habit of being on that right side, and he has success at doing it, and I just think they need to keep them there. And I've talked to plenty of offensive linemen about it before on all different types of levels, and the most common comparison seemed to be that, or the simplest way that they could break it down for me is that whenever you eat with one hand, for the most part, let's say you're just strictly right-handed, it's like learning to eat with your left hand now. So it's going to take quite a bit of time, and sometimes you never really learn to do it. And pass protecting is all muscle memory. Now, as a run blocker, it is a bit easier because you're moving forward as opposed to backwards as a pass protector. But just having your opposite foot up now, which is something that would be different for O'Neal as opposed to having his right foot back at right tackle. Now, at left tackle, his right foot is going to be up and his left foot is going to be back. So his mechanics are going to be totally different when switching to that other side. And now you're talking about protecting Kirk Cousins' backside with that being such a high risk, it just makes me really nervous. And I'm sure he can do it, but it's just going to take a bit of time just because he's switching sides completely. And now he's really gotten the habit of that right, that technique at right tackle. Now he has to completely flip back to what he did at Pitt and just regather that muscle memory that he did have during his college days. And now you talk about the speed of the game, really starting back from ground zero and really going back to adjusting to the speed of the game once again from a completely different side. It just makes me a bit nervous. Okay, and uh, Miles, one other person that you haven't mentioned, I think you mentioned him back in the day, but you haven't mentioned him in a little while, uh, Quentin Spain or Span or however you say his last name from the Titans, I guess teammate of Josh Klein. What are your thoughts on him? Because I know, I think at some point when you were initially making your list, he was someone that you, you talked about and then you haven't really talked to him about it a lot since. Is he someone that would be a fit and uh, what's the deal with him? Because he hasn't really seemed to be getting much steam during this free agency period. Yeah, I, I'll start with the the fact that he hasn't had any steam. I'm kind of surprised by that. I'm guessing teams didn't like what they've seen, what they've seen on tape so far. Or I'm not sure what the deal is with that because the Titans probably could have got him back at maybe half the price they got for Saffold. Um, so that's kind of baffling to me. Um, but he's, I mean, he's a pretty good player. He's 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 big. He's uh, he's a mauler. He doesn't. He doesn't fit um, for me. Like I've been trying to look back at, at some of the guys and some of the and like listening to podcasts and stuff of kind of a, of what Gary Kubiak looks for in offensive linemen. And Sage Rosenfeld um, does a great job. Obviously, he played in the system with Kubiak in in Houston. He talked a lot about how Kubiak likes guys in that three hundred five to three hundred ten pound range um, more than like the three hundred thirty pound guys because. He's going to be asking his interior offensive lineman to be moving a lot, um, moving and moving and working in space a lot. Uh, it's not that a 330-pound guy can't do it, but is it really the best situation to ask those kind of players to do it all the time? Um, I don't think so. It, it, I think it just you see you'd see a lot more um, wear and tear on those kind of guys, and um, it'd be really tough. That's just uh, tough to. Do. It'd be really tough to ask a guy like with that size to to move that much. Um, the way that Kubiak asks um, his guards to in, in his offense. So um, I think that's the big reason why they're not really interested in Spain. I think Klein brings a little bit more of that 
the um, ability to work in space. Um, he is a finisher in, um, in the run game. Uh, and I think that at the same time, he's, he's smaller, you know, he's in that three, five, 305, 310 range. I mean, that's exactly what they're looking for. So that kind of fits more of what, what they want to do than what a Quentin Spain does. I am, like I said, though, I'm still kind of surprised he's not, uh, he hasn't signed. Maybe he's asking for too much. Um, maybe he wanted to get that 10 million plus per year kind of deal, but, um, I, I, I don't get why he's not signed at this point, though. There are still plenty of um, offensive line needy teams. And, I mean, the Vikings signed him. I wouldn't be upset at it, about it at all. Uh, I, just don't, I just don't see him as a fit, scheme-wise. Okay. Makes sense, makes sense. And, uh, and Prince, you know, kept you waiting for a little while here. And we've talked a bit about the offensive line, but I want to switch gears a little bit with you here. Outside of the offensive line, I mean, you know, this is where I guess, you know, some of the smart teams will start doing some of that, you know, bargain shopping, looking for, you know, vets that maybe they can get for a little bit less than they should because the money's starting to dry up. Are there any players out there that you have uh, are surprised or still you know, sitting out there that you'd want the Vikings to take a look at that aren't strictly, you know, offensive linemen, which seems to really be the only thing we've been fixated on here lately? Um, You know, obviously, I think the Vikings uh, – another position that I'm worried about on the defensive side is a uh, uh, linebacker core that they have. You know, I've been really happy that um, the Vikings decided to bring back Anthony Barr just because I know that he uh, knows the, you know, I know that he knows the defense. He's obviously a guy that, um, you know, Mike Zimmer loves and respects and whatnot. But I think after him, you don't really have, um, you don't really have much. You know, we've seen a little bit from from a couple guys like Wilson and, uh, and, and Gideon and whatnot, but you're not really seeing um, you're not really seeing you're not really seeing very much death behind there so I think the Vikings could you know bring in bring in a bring in a guy I don't have any specific names per se just yet um, but you know I would like to see them maybe um, address address that before they go into the draft just because I you know I'd probably prefer them to not use a, a, a higher pick on that I mean you could probably find you know athletic guy or whatever the case is. Um, linebacker depth. I mean, obviously, uh, losing Anderson Dejo is, is going to hurt as well too. Um, you know, I know that they could, they probably can uh, look into the draft as again, but you know, the draft isn't really a huge, uh, you know, high end safety class and whatnot. Um, so you know, losing Sandejo I think will hurt a little bit more than the Vikings think that that it that it will. Um, I know you have Anthony Harris who can obviously step in and be that guy. So. I mean, you lost a couple uh, of depth pieces on your defensive side of the ball, and I think that the Vikings um, really need to replace that before they go into, like, I think like Jared was saying, just going to the, the draft and trying to hope to swing. You're not going to hit on all those pieces. So, you know, get those depth pieces pieces in so then maybe you can focus on more trying to fill out that top-end talent, and, you know, guys will just kind of fill in as you see fit. But, um yeah, those are just uh, those are just some areas that I think the Vikings can can probably address. I don't have I don't have specific names just yet, but you know, uh, I think there are some guys out there that you could, uh, you know, you could look into uh, trying to grab. Yeah, so you're kind of like the Vikings Twitter when it comes to offensive linemen. You don't really care who it is as long as they bring somebody in at one of those positions. Yeah, because good. I know. I- yeah, I, I know that the. I mean, money is an issue, right? And I and I personally, I understand why the Vikings haven't either been able to make a, a ton of moves, or they, 
um, you know, they have just decided not to just because they, the money's not there. So I, I'm not, I'm not blaming them. And I don't forget that fact. Um, it's just that, you know, we are getting to the point where I don't want them to have to, um, you know, I really want their, I really want them to have their board like truly fall, fall to them. And I know that becomes a little bit more challenging when there is a position you really need to address and you don't have, um, and you haven't addressed it early on in the draft, you know, so trying to, trying to get a, a good tight end and maybe wide receiver three good offensive linemen, uh, you know, get a good, take advantage of this interior defensive line, like all of that you're trying to address and you don't even, you don't have a fifth round pick. So, you know, you're really going to have to either probably trade back um, or see if you can uh, pick up another uh, high to mid round pick just to be able to do all the things that you want to do. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. Miles, same question to you. Any weapons that you see that are just kind of sitting out there that you think might be bargains, that would be able to help the Vikings out before we get into the draft. Maybe open up a little bit of flexibility. Um, I know you've very much been on the, uh, you know, kind of leading the charge in terms of, you know, Kirk Cousins needs all the weapons that he can get around him. Uh, maybe try to replicate what he had in Washington you know, during his best seasons. Uh, anyone kind of laying around out there in, in, in the bargain bin that you think we could pick up with the, the couple dollars we have left, you might be able to help us out. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think we've talked, uh, I don't, I don't know how, what is, what his health is, but I mean, Demarius Thomas is sitting out there. I mean, for the right price. I mean, I don't know what his, I know he's coming off a, an Achilles injury, but he could be one of those guys that you sign now to a cheap deal and come middle of the season when he's ready to go, um, could be a guy that helped boost your offense. Um, sounds like Randall Cobb's visiting the Cowboys, so I'm not really sure about him. Pierre Garcon, uh, I wouldn't really go into that just because he's been injured the last two seasons. I think he's like 33 now, so there's not really that. Um, Miles, Miles, the Raiders just released Jordy Nelson, too. Uh, I mean, he fits perfect for what fans want, right? Um, <laughs> uh, like bring, Jermaine, bring Mike Wallace back. Mike Wallace is willing to come back. I mean, I think I mean, I, we can play with a real quarterback. He finally have a quarterback. Uh, <laughs> he he he'd be in an offense that better fits his skill set now than it did back in 2015. But um, no, uh, where's the other name I was looking at? Uh, Jermaine Curse. Um, kind of surprised he's still out there. He's he's still a solid player. Um, I think he could be one of those guys that come in and play that X position, uh, and be that third wide receiver. Uh. I really I like uh, Dontrell Inman too. I think he'd be really cheap, and I think he can contribute. He's one of those guys that he's not going to wow you, but he can kind of get him. He gets himself open, and he uh, um, he makes good contestant catches. So um, I wouldn't mind him on the cheap. Um, other than that, like it's kind of slim pickings. Like we said, there really isn't too much. I didn't mention uh, Chris Hogan. I uh, don't really care about him. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Unless they want to look at tight end, um, Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, they can't afford Jared Cook, but he's out there. Um, oh, I forgot Ter- Terrence Williams from the Cowboys, but I mean, I wouldn't really. I'm really curious that. about that Eifert deal. Ryan Grant, that's the name I'm thinking of. Uh, Ryan Grant, but I, kn- I know there was some steam there that you had, Jason, that we want to go into. But um, I liked him last year, so still surprised he's kind of looking for work. Yeah. 
Yeah, Ryan Grant. Question, I guess, JR, you can hop in on this one because, you know, people have talked about it. And dude is old, old, old. Is Donald Penn someone who makes sense for the Vikings at this point if the price is right? I would have traded for him, honestly. I would have gave up a seven-round pick for him. And it just depends on what they want to do with Riley Reef because Donald Penn has made it clear that he wants to play left tackle. And if they slide Reef down to guard either one of the guard spots, then they have an open slot at left tackle, depending on if they want to keep Brian O'Neill at that right tackle spot. So I said it plenty of times in the group me, and I know he was injured last year. But, I mean, do you have anything to lose at this point? And he's 35 years old, and maybe – Let's say you trade a pick for Donald Penn, and then you, you can still draft a tackle or even a guard. Now you're starting to create depth, and it doesn't force you to play that tackle right away either. And if anything, if he does get hurt, then you already have that guy behind him already fully entrenched. So I would have traded a sixth or a seventh-round pick for him, in my honest opinion. Okay. So I, I'm going to go ahead and say that you are on board with bringing Donald Penn in then, if the price is right. If the price is right, yes. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, outside of last season, he's been pretty darn good. And here I am, and he has connections. You know, he was he was brought in as a as an undrafted free agent by the Vikings in two thousand six. You know, so it'd be like a homecoming of sorts. Makes sense. End his career where it all kind of got started, maybe, maybe sort of, kinda. And uh, I guess free agency. We've been talking about all the bad. Let's talk about a little bit of the good here, Jr. What were your thoughts? I know you mentioned a little bit earlier. Anthony Barr being the guy, being, you know, the important piece that he is for Mike Zimmer's defense. He is really, um, I mean, he is our free agency period to date, really. Uh, what are your thoughts on him coming back? What are your thoughts on the dollars figures that have been thrown around and um, the impact that he can make for us as we get into next year? Yeah, I was happy to have him back because you guys know there isn't a bigger Anthony Barr fan in the world than me, just because I understand how important he is to this defense and, I think the thing that kind of goes underestimated about the entire signing is that who was going to replace him? And um, I mean, I like Eric Wilson. I like Ben Gideon, but those guys aren't replaceable guys that can replace the production that Anthony Barr has brought to the table. And I know the whole green dot discussion, I think that's overblown to an extent, but you can't replace 6'5", 250-pound guys in the middle of your defense. That's just not walking around on the street that you can find as a free agent or in the draft. And, yes, there's a couple guys that do have that size, but they maybe not have the athletic profile and the prowess that Anthony Barr does bring to the table as far as the price. I mean, I thought they got him at a bit of a discount considering what I thought he would command on the open market. And he got around the same – I think he got the exact same as what Quan Alexander did. And I think his production is much better than what Quan Alexander has been to this point. And even though Quan Alexander is coming off a torn ACL last year, I think Barr is a much better player at this point, just be considering that Quan Alexander is an unknown to this point coming off that injury. And, I mean, I'm happy to have him back. I think it it makes the linebacker worries a bit less than what they would have been if he was gone because you're talking about a position that would have been – you would have been scraping the barrel as far as your depth at that position and really the talent as well. And after Devin White and Devin Bush in this draft, there is a steep decline at that position. So I think it was really essential that they made it a point to bring him back. Okay. Miles, what are your thoughts? Anthony Barr, him coming back. And with all the things that we were kind of talking about before free agency really kicked off, I guess, what are your thoughts from just a strategic standpoint of how this played out? with Barr coming back versus, you know, Sheldon Richardson with the rumors of Trey Wayne's potentially getting traded and all that. 
What are your thoughts strategically in terms of how the Vikings have played things so far with their own players? Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at their cap situation heading to free agency, um, I thought they probably would have made a couple other moves more than what they have at this point. Like, you know, whether it was, was restructuring Griffin to create more cap space, releasing Kyle Rudolph or extending him to lower his cap hit, whatever it is. I thought they would have created a, l- a little bit more cap space than they have to this point. Um, but no matter what, I always viewed it as them making one splash-type signing. So whether that was Anthony Barr, Sheldon Richardson, I, kn- I knew they weren't going to be able to bring back both. Um, but it was you know a Barr or Richardson situation or trying to go after maybe a tackle or a guard um, in free agency in, in the first wave of free agency. I always viewed – or a tight end even – even though I don't think that was going to happen anyways. But um, I was kind of just viewed them to be um, making one splash signing, and it ended up being Anthony Barr, which um, I'd been, been hearing some things that, you know, uh, they were going to let him test the market to kind of see what, what the deal was going to look like because um, it sounds like, according to, to Darren Wolfson, uh, that they'd, they'd stayed pat at $12 million per year, and they'd stayed pat at that number since, like, last August. So – um, it's kind of crazy to think now that they were able, they were willing to up their offer, but I mean, kind of makes sense. Um, they let Barr go out and test the market and they were like, Hey, um, and after hearing that he kind of had cold feet of leaving, I think once they heard that, they're like, well, we can make this work. So like I said, um, I always viewed them making one splash move. Um, the Shamar Stefan one we talked about kind of didn't understand that one, but, um, it, it makes sense for Zim wanting to have familiarity with a guy and a guy that he knows can help stop the run, which I don't know why he cares, but whatever. Um, but, yeah, um, sorry, uh, you want to know else, too, just how? I guess, yeah, you, you called out that, you know, they were going to make one splash signing, and then, yeah. yeah, really, like, with the moves and the way, what they've been able to do with the limited resources they have at their disposal, I guess, strategically, do you feel good about where the Vikings are at, or you just kind of feel like, man, eh, it's kind of what they were going to have to do just based on where they were at? Yeah, I mean – Bring a bar back. I I've no. I don't think there should be any regrets or b- people being upset at that point. Um, I think it's more of them not willing to sacrifice anything for the most part on defense. Like they even after losing Sheldon Richardson, they go out and prioritize signing a guy like Shamar Stefan instead of trying to you know find some of that money for the offense. Um, we know that the defense is their strength. Obviously, we know that Zim covets having top end players at every level of his defense, um, which is fine. I have no issues with it. But when you start getting some log jams at places and you start um, – and you know that the situation you're in on offense, you know you need to do better and you know you need your offense to be better. Um, I just don't think there's been enough strategically yet, and maybe things will change, but I don't think strategically they've done enough to, look, to try to improve things besides the coaching staff, which I do think is a big part of it. But at the end of the day – um, you still need to bring in players that can that can help can help and contribute too. So I'm um, just kind of surprised we haven't seen them get creative at all at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. And and Prince, I know that like for the most part, we've all figured that you know one of Richardson or Barr would be back. But I don't know that I've really got your take, uh, you know, on the pod in terms of should either of them been back. And as Miles kind of hinted at, should offense have been the priority if we needed to spend money? Uh, and should we have let both those guys walk to potentially see about bringing in, you know, some big name talent on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball to, to help things out, given that the investment that we made in Kirk Cousins last offseason? Um, 
Well, I'm going to say yes and no. Um, I'm going to say, I think the, my hope is that they decided to say no in free agency because Zim was like, Hey, I do think that I can continue to make the defense be great. If you let me keep these guys, but then yes, in terms of he's like kind of relinquishing saying like, okay, well now if you want to use our draft capital, we'll go get a more offensive talent, um, you know, then you can. So, you know, it was hard letting Sheldon Richardson go just because he, he did play really well. I mean, he fell off at the end of the season, but I, you, you did get a lot of production out of him. Um, but I, I just do, I think this draft class is too deep for, for them to have really spent a, a ton of money on that position. Um, and then I just, I personally really like the Anthony Barr resigning. I know that you really tied on money, but I just think that, like Dara said, there's just one less position you have to worry about. And he is, and it's, and it, he is, he is going to be hard to replace. Even if you can replace athleticism and the size, you know, it's going to take a few, you know, a while for him to really just uh, adjust to Mike Zimmer's defense and whatnot. And even then, he, it's not a surefire. Um, but I do think that the Vikings really, really, really need to um, put more of their resources on the offensive side of the ball. You know, bring in some, uh, bring in some offensive line talent high. Um, bring in some, bring in a tight end, uh, tight end high. That way, you know, you are, if you bring in two really great offensive line weapons and then, uh, or not weapons, but just offensive linemen, and then you bring in a, a, a receiving weapon at tight end, I do think that you pretty dramatically bolster this, this offense pretty quickly. So I, I think it's one of those things where Zim's just going to have to, you know, like he's going to have to say, okay, you gave me Anthony Barr. Um, you kept some pieces on defense that I wanted. So go ahead and help Kirk as you see fit. Okay. So with that in mind, we'll turn our attention to the draft. It's still a little ways away, but I wanted to get JR's take on something related to free agency and the draft. Because one of the things I've seen uh, people kind of say a little bit, and I wanted to get your take here, is that with the way free agency has played out and many of the teams ahead of the Vikings who did have needs at offensive line going out and addressing those in free agency, JR, as you kind of play around with your big board and maybe start to work on mock drafts and, and read mock drafts and look at all those things, do you think that the likelihood that, you know, one of those good players that we would need to really plug in, be a plug-and-play type of, of piece for the Vikings offensive line, you think that the likelihood is increased that one of those guys will be available for us there at 18? Well, it's tough to say right now because some teams use free agency as kind of relax, kind of relax those needs at the top. So, I mean, even the New York Giants – um, a team that has signed so a couple a couple offensive linemen, even the Panthers, even though they released uh, Matt Khalil, they still have a dire need, and those are the two teams in front of them at 16 and 17. And Cincinnati Bengals, maybe they could take a guy at offensive tackle, even though they somehow resigned Bobby Hart uh, at tackle. So maybe they do still try to find some tackle options or even some interior guys. So there are a couple teams ahead that could go offensive line, but I think the Vikings are in a really good spot because they're crammed right in the middle. And I think with how high some of these edge rushers are going to go, I think there's going to be some good players that do eventually fall to them. Uh, Andre Dillard is a common name that has been mentioned. And there's a host of other names as well. I don't think my whole thinking is that I don't think the Vikings are going to take an interior offensive lineman early on just because they have never done it. If they're going to take an offensive lineman, it's going to be a tackle. So you talk about 
Cody Ford is a name that I think I think he's definitely going to be there. If they want Cody Ford, I think he's going to be there for the taking. And I think right now he's probably the most realistic option because I think Dillard is going to go at that 16th or 17th spot. Jonah Williams is going to be an interesting option because we'll see how the NFL really sees him. And we'll see how the Vikings do see him if he's sitting there at 18 for them to take, if they value him or view him as a tackle or a guard. And I think most teams are probably going to view him as a guard uh, for whatever reason, I think he can play tackle, and I think he can hold up really well at tackle, and I think he's probably a can't-miss option. I think he's probably the best-of-both-worlds option if he is there at 18 as well. So any of those guys, whether it's Cody Ford, Dillard, or Jawan Taylor, I think he's going to be off the board. I'd be surprised if he makes it out of the top 12. So I'm not even going to include him, but Jonah Williams, uh, Andre Dillard, even a Dalton Reisner, uh, I wouldn't take him that high, but we'll see especially with what happened to the Vikings last year with those guys just flying off the board with Ragnar, Billy Price, and even Will Hernandez being selected uh, early on as well. So we'll see just how high they do value some of these offensive linemen in the draft. Okay. I feel like we covered most of the football-related things. Miles, Prince, was there any other football things you wanted to get off your chest, any takes that you really, really needed to get out here before we uh, move on to anything else? Vikings should draft a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I do think they should draft a quarterback. Just, but I, I know Prince was joking. <laughs> Prince wasn't joking. No, there was no joke whatsoever yeah, when I said Prince, Prince was not joking. <laughs> no, they, they no, they should. I and that's not even a Kirk Cousins shot. That's a. I don't want to see what Trevor Simeon has to offer or any of those kinds of guys. Whatever. I mean, there. I know there's still some free agent guys still you know, available and whatnot, but uh, the Vikings need to draft a qu- another quarterback. I agree. Like, seriously. Um, I, and kicker, I mean, we'll see what they do, what they do with kicker. You want them to draft a kicker? I didn't Negative. say draft. I didn't say draft. I said we'll have to no. see what they do at kicker. I would never put okay. the word I'm on just, I'm just, just making sure, man. Just making sure. Okay. So I feel like football is, is, is in the books. We, we've covered all that. So before we get out of here, though, just because, you know, I feel like I need to, Yenka, because I know you have takes that you wanted to, to, to get off your chest here. Uh, talk to me, man. Tell me a little bit about Captain Marvel. I finally seen the movie, and, I, and I'm, I'm interested in what you thought of the film. And uh, because you do qu- know quite a bit more about this comic book stuff than I do, I need you to help me understand um, you know, what were the important things of this movie that I may have missed that will help me be ready for the movie that comes out next month. Yeah, um, I'll try to make this as short as I can. Um, I thought the movie was just okay, you know. Um, the This movie introduced two really big entities that uh, I've been waiting in these movies. Uh, obviously, the, the Kree Empire and the Skrulls. The Skrulls are just an alien race who um, are shapeshifters. Um, and then the Kree are, you know, this kind of, this kind of galactic, galactic empire. Uh, and these two forces fight a lot. Um I still think everyone should go and see this movie. Um, you know, I think that it's the, the, the issues that I had with the movie, I don't, I don't think are enough to, for me to be like, no, I don't, I think it's a terrible movie. No, I, I actually want people to go and see it. Cause I think I, I, people can enjoy it. Um, the, the, some of the biggest issues that I had with it were there were a few plot holes that I think Marvel will need to correct at some point or another. Um, first and foremost, 
the Nick Fury that we were introduced into this movie is not the Nick Fury that I, I or really all of us have kind of grown to know and understand. Uh, this movie is set to do, I would say, three things. It was an origin story for multiple characters, Nick Fury and uh, Carol Danvers. It was a bridge movie for uh, Captain Marvel into into uh, Endgame, very similar how Black Panther was, a, which it's in, in some sorts a bridge movie to Infinity War. And then this also is, um, you know, re, it's going to re... Um, it's essentially supposed to set uh, reset uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe because after Endgame, things are going to change. Um, Carol Danvers is now supposed to become the face of Marvel. She is supposed to be, um, spoiler alert, I, I'm pretty sure Captain America will probably die in Endgame. I think Chris Evans is done playing the character. Yeah, um, so the next, the, 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 someone needs to take up the mantle. And the best person that they... Uh, I, in my opinion, to take up that mantle is Captain Marvel, just because she's such an important character within within these uh, within the storytelling. Uh, she's a very powerful character. Even even that movie, I don't think did it justice, and that was kind of one of my issues with it, because she is one of the more more powerful people there, um, outside of probably Thor. She, you know, she is very a very very powerful uh, person within the, not just the Earth but obviously the entire universe. Um, some other quick hitting notes. Um, my biggest, a lot of my issues actually were more so about, I don't know, it's kind of half half Nick Nick Fury and half uh, Carol Danvers. The thing with Nick Fury is, understanding that movie, we did we learned that he had this pager to summon the most powerful person that he he knows, right? And in Avengers, we saw a giant alien invasion come to Earth. And he didn't push that pager one time. We saw artificial intelligence. Wait, hold, hold up, hold up, hold up. Mm -hmm. The directors and, and and like even like Samuel L. Jackson himself have come out and said, and uh, you can take this for what you want, but they've come uh, out and said, we don't know that he hasn't pushed it just because we haven't see, seen it. Here's, a, here's, a th here's what I say, that, Miles. I'm just saying what they said. I'm just this saying is what they my, said. This is my analogy, Miles. Here's the thing. When I go into these movies, I understand that there's going to be a form of pickle juice that I have to just swallow and I just have to be okay with it, right? But what I love like pickle juice. Expect, but but here's what it's not your, it's not your juice choice though, right? What I expect, however, Miles, is I expect that they are going to tell me, y'all, I'm we're going to introduce some pickle juice to you. We're just gonna need you to swallow it, and here is why. As long as you explain why I'm I have to drink the pickle juice, I will drink the pickle juice, Miles. But here's the thing: they didn't explain why. Uh, they didn't explain why. They just said, "Oh well, we might have. He might have pushed the button in in the past, or whatever the case is." It's like, okay, so again, it goes back to alien invasion. He might have pushed the button. She didn't show up, right? Artificial intelligence about to destroy. Couldn't even just destroy the Earth, but it could have expanded upon other parts of the universe, right? Parts of the universe that she's probably protecting. She didn't show up. The one time she chooses to show up, and Nick chooses to push the button, is when he knows. Half of the universe is going away. For all he knows, he pushed the buttons. She's already gone because of Thanos's uh, snap. No, 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 no. I'm mm -mm, mm -mm. that 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 is not pickle juice that I can that I can digest. You can, you can take that on board. Nope, 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 nope. So, no, so, no, so, no. so I, so, I, I, the whole movie, the thing that has you most upset is a pager. 
it's 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 the it's the plot holes that I felt like this this movie created um, when I didn't think it was necessary because they had a form of of continuity to it that I think that they were doing so well. Now Marvel has gotten in trouble with introducing one thing and then having to fix it in another movie or fix it in another parts of uh, you know later down the road because we're essentially just reading uh, uh, we're watching this this giant book right. And each movie is its own chapter within this book. And this book is about to close really soon in Endgame, right? And then we start a completely new book or completely new chapters of, of this compendium of, uh, uh, of stories. But yeah, that was, these are some of my, my biggest issues because, you know, because it's, of the pager. It's... <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, okay, Prince, we got you a little, we got you a little heated up here. Hey, and, real uh, talk though, why didn't, you know, why and, uh, just, before we go too deep into this, because I feel like we, we've completely lost JR. JR, do you even know what it is we are talking about at this moment? Nope. Okay. I thought JR hung up. I thought <laughs> <JR> hung up. <laughs> how, excited, how excited are you guys that for this season of Game of Thrones, we're going to be able to nerd out with JR as it's going on? Like, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this stuff. Man, I'm so excited. When JR was like live tweeting all this stuff, I think it was really because you get you. You get to relive the story through someone else as they're going through it. So when he's just like, "Yeah, I don't trust the Or he's just, "All right," just his excitement for events that would happen that you wish that you could like forget about and then go through it again. Um, I'm happy that we're all going to get to have like a corner of Game of Thrones on the podcast. I'm going right. to have a lot of questions, so y'all be ready. Hey, it's all right. It's okay. Uh, my only last question: We don't have to. Prince, why do you think that they waited so long to introduce Captain Marvel? Like, I know they had to do it in this time frame, but like, it really literally feels like we're we just seen Captain Marvel in the last week or two, and then we go to Endgame in like less like a month. Like, and I, yeah, that's actually a really good question, Miles. Uh, and I think, um, and I think this is part of the reason why I wasn't as happy with with the movie in general because I do think that this is a character that probably should have been introduced. A few years ago, instead of giving us like I don't know, second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you could have given us this movie. Because um, Superman stinks, and Captain right. Marvel is Marvel <laughs> Superman. I mean, for keeping all powerful characters are not fun. Well, that, They're not. That's, so that's the, that's the issue with that's the issue with Captain Marvel that I'm that I find with with the way that Marvel introduced her because now what she becomes is she becomes a Deus Ex Machina, which essentially just means. It's a person or a plot device that you put into your movies in which everything is going terrible and then something just out of the sky drops in and saves everyone. And I think that there's a poor, that's, that's poor service to Carol Danvers, who's actually a very interesting character. Um, I, my last little bit with this is... I thought it was funny. But, but, and she's, she's supposed to be like, Carol Danvers is actually supposed to be in air. She's supposed to be highly arrogant, right? In the comics, that's how she is. I don't need her to necessarily be that way. But I think for the purposes of what Marvel is missing, we have enough arrogant dudes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. To introduce a woman as an arrogant, uh, as an arrogant character would be really interesting. And I think that's what, what Marvel would need because in movies, we oftentimes don't see enough women who are just arrogant and which we have to absorb in society. We're cool with Tony Stark being completely arrogant or Thor being completely arrogant, but we're not always, we're not always as accepting, 
when a woman is going to be arrogant. And in the comics, she is. And that gets her into trouble. They tried to hint at a character flaw with her with a, oh, she's just so emotional or whatever. But they didn't go deep enough to kind of illustrate that like she's she's actually super arrogant and that gets her into trouble, especially mixed with her skill set. Um, that, that's just something that I think could have played out even better uh, when we go see Endgame here in the, in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Well, we've gone completely off the rails and uh, JR, apologies for, uh, for for sitting through all of that, that that nerdiness for movies that I don't think you've seen any of except for maybe Black Panther, maybe that one does time. Does Deadpool count? Oh, there we go. Deadpool does count. Deadpool like counts. Deadpool. There we go. The first one was a great movie. There we go. There we go. We got JR on Deadpool and Black Panther, Game of Thrones. You know, next thing you know, you keep up on this trajectory in like two years. You can be in here talking about Naruto's and, and Pikachu's with Yinka and Miles and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A new Pokemon comes out soon. Too. Oh, snap. Yeah, I'm not even going to watch the draft. They are going to hit me up the, uh, in the DMs. you be like, okay, so tell me about this Itachi dude or whatever the case. I, I, I like him. I'm ready for it. I'm here for for JR to get his. All right, that is enough. We are done. Uh, JR, what do you have coming out that people should be looking for? Uh, it, my focus is all on the draft guy right now. Um, it's going to be out April 12th for ten dollars. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be a link posted on April 1st for pre-orders. Prince, let me get ten dollars. JR, I was going to say, JR, can I hold ten dollars? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, Prince, when's your next? Uh, when's the next segment in your uh, or the next piece in your in your keep that series going to be uh, coming through? Yeah, I have the clips. I'm just uh, I'm actually just writing up the aspect of it. Like that's the thing is like this is the part of watching film that I actually really love because you have to watch the same clip like like I don't know forty times to like really truly understand like put yourself in the in the mind of a player as well as maybe what Zim was thinking about on certain plays or what the offense was thinking about. So um just writing up all that. Hoping maybe maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. Um but we'll see. And last but certainly not least, Miles, uh anything cooking? Pass. Okay, pass. we'll take that. We'll 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 take that. Hard pass and uh, and that's it. We done. Listeners, as always, thanks for, for sticking with us. Gentlemen, as always, thanks for coming on and recording. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. We will uh, talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.